you go ahead and turn to Ephesians 5 in your Bibles, the title of our lesson this morning is Walking as Imitators of God. And I'd like to begin by reading this section. It starts out in verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you. And gave himself up for us an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. There must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting which are not fitting but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for these truths that the Apostle Paul penned so many years ago, and they are so applicable to us today, even though we know he specifically wrote them to the church at Ephesus. I pray, Lord, that for those of us that are Christians, that we would evaluate our life and we would recommit to imitating you because of everything you have done for us. May we put off sin and put on righteousness and show the world that we are your followers by our obedience to your truth. For the unbeliever, I pray that they would see themselves in these verses that they are immoral and that they are greedy and that they are dead in their sins. And I pray that you would convict them, cut them to the quick, and bring them to the cross where they will find forgiveness through Jesus Christ. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. When we get to chapter 5, we start with the helpful word, therefore. And everyone always asks, what is the therefore, therefore? So we have to go back and connect this new section to what we were talking about previously. The first three chapters of the book of Ephesians is about our position in Christ. The last three chapters is our practice in Christ. And when we talk about practice, we're talking about the, the overall life patterns that characterize us, our practice in Christ. And we started chapter four by looking at the idea of practicing our unity in the church. In practice here, it, it, it's a little different than what we think of practice. I go to basketball practice. I go to piano practice. I'm trying to get better at it. Practice is, is who you are and what you do. And as a Christian, who you are and what you do is you promote and commute, uh, commit to the unity in the church. Then in verse 17, we begin looking at practicing holiness in our personal lives. And this continues all the way through Ephesians 5 verse 21. In my personal life, because I am in Christ, I must practice holiness. I no longer can enjoy that sin. I need to throw that sin off. I can't be lazy and complacent. I must put out maximum effort for the glory of Christ so that I can practice holiness in our personal lives. And we've talked about how if I practice holiness and you practice holiness and you practice holiness, it brings us together. It unifies us. If we all put off self and put on Christ, well, then we all have the mind of Christ. We're all doing the same thing, and God is glorified. 
And we do that because of our position. He has elected us. He has saved us. He has redeemed us. He has included us in his family. In verses 17 through 24 of chapter 4, we began looking at the idea of persuasive instructions to putting on the new self. Paul says that he, testifying on behalf of God, commands us to do this. But the idea of new self sounds a little bit kind of vague in, in one sense. So he narrows it down and he begins listing particular implementation of putting on the new self. What does that look like? This isn't a theoretical pie in the sky thing. This is something that we all Christians can do. Now I will say for the unbeliever, you have no ability to do this. You are still dead in your sins. You are still uh, following the, the course of the prince of the power of the air. But the Christian, you put off lying and you put on truthfulness. If you're going to be like God, if you're going to be holy, if you're going to implement these ideas of the new self, this is what the new self does. Then if you are a habitual and constant liar, then you are not in Christ. So we put off lying and we put on truthfulness. We put off selfish anger and we put on righteous anger. We put off stealing and we put on hard work. And so there's two sides to it. Maybe some of you, there are things that you steal. But maybe you're just a lazy bum and don't want to work. That's not a Christian. That's not a Christian. Put off unwholesome speech and put on edifying speech, which obviously is a huge challenge today because most comedy, most songs, most things is just saturated with gross talk, with, with bad words. And people will justify it and say, well, well what, what, what is a word? It's just a word. And it's only a bad word. It's only a cuss word, a, an unwholesome word, because someone said it is. And you go, well, yeah. So don't say it. Why would you want to say it? There's a billion other words you can use instead of the one that is associated with grossness and immorality. But it's not just, I don't say bad words and I don't say mean things. I build people up. That's where edifying is. I say things that spur you on, that cheer you on. You, you know the teammate that cuts you to the quick and tears you down easily when you mess up. But then there's the teammate that can rebuke you, but build you up and, and encourage you at the same time. And it is so much more helpful. Then lastly, you look at putting off bitterness and putting on kindness. And that's what Cody covered at the end of chapter 4. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. But then you put on, you be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God and Christ has also forgiven you. That is the particular implementation of putting on the new self. But if there's any doubt, if there's any question about how do I do this and what does it look like, we then see for the rest of this section practical illustrations of putting on the new self. Practical illustrations. So we get the overall command, and then we get the, the clarifying details. Like if I told you, you need to honor and obey your parents, and you're like, okay, yeah, but what does that really look like? Well, then he gives you what it really looks like, and then he's going to give some illustrations 
to model that or to picture that for us. And today's lesson is actually part one. It is walking as imitators of God. Then the next lesson we'll be looking at walking as children of light. And then finally we'll be walking as men of wisdom. And so you Christian, this is what you are. This is what you do. You're an imitator of God. You're not an imitator of the world, an imitator of God. You're a child of light. You don't run to the darkness. You don't love the darkness. You love the light, and you are men of wisdom, which we know wisdom is knowing the right thing and doing the right thing. So you, Christian, this is you, and you should continue to grow in this. If this is not you, be honest with yourself. That means you are not in Christ, you are still dead in your sins, that you are in the crosshairs of God's judgment, and you must repent and believe in Jesus. I became an imitator of God not because I'm a good person, not because I went to church enough, not because I read my Bible enough. I became an imitator of God simply through the work of Jesus Christ. No good deed of my own, I simply believed in Jesus, repented of my sin, and he made me this. And if you're a Christian, you are also these same things. Also these same things. Today is part one. We'll we'll probably get through the end of verse two. And then, Lord willing, Wednesday, we will cover the rest of it. And I, I would encourage you, as we've started this new year, to come both on Sunday and on Wednesday. Because if you notice that they're connected to one another. And if you only come on Sunday, if you only come on Wednesday, then you only get half of what's going on. If you ever miss a Wednesday, remember on our youth webpage, we have a YouTube channel, and all of the lessons are recorded on there, all right? And I know you'll probably want to, in the quietness of your room, sing along with the songs, or you could fast forward to the lesson time, but just don't tell Edwin or JT. Our section for today, verses 1 and 2, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. And why did I underline the be, and why did I underline the walk? Well, when you look at a a section of Scripture, when you look at a passage, you want to first identify the verbs, the action that's going on here. And we have these imperatives here to be imitators and to walk in love. And that is what's going to give us our structure for the rest of our lesson. So I have two main points, and you can tell what those two main points are. But when I take a, a passage, I copy it into my Word document, And then I start doing what we call block diagramming, where I hit enter and space. And it really helps me kind of understand the flow. And so if I was going to block diagram this passage, this is what it would look like. You have the therefore, and then under the therefore, you have two commands. Be imitators and walk. Well, walk how? In love. Well, what does it look like to walk in love? Just as Christ did. Well, what did Christ's love look like? Well, he loved us. And he gave himself up for us. What does that look like? He did it as an offering and he did it as a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. And you can see that you can easily pick out the main points of the passage and you can see the verb, the action that we're supposed to follow. And then you have all of the supporting clauses that modify for us the rest of the things. What does it look like to love like Jesus? Well, He shows us what it looks like to love like Jesus. 
And don't tune out because you, I've spoiled the ending for you. All right, let's go back and let's look at these more closely. First of all, be imitators of God. Be imitators of God. And you're asking yourself, how is this walking as imitators of God? Where are we, we getting this walking from? The, our walk, when it comes to Christianity, are the habitual patterns of your life. It's not just the, the physical walking. It, it's who you are. It's what you do. It's how you think. And so in that, who you are, what you do, how you think, you should commit to being an imitator of God. But what are we supposed to imitate about God? There's so much to him, and we will spend the rest of eternity trying to learn and comprehend fully who God is. Well, we often summarize the attributes or the characteristics of God. You've heard those words before. Someone give me a, a characteristic or an attribute of God. Not everyone at the same Oh, raise your hand. Yes. Holiness. Yes. So perfect. And that fits our passage because we're talking about holiness in our personal lives. Right? All right. What else? Give me another characteristic or attribute. Yeah, he's slow to anger. He, he's patient. He's long-suffering. Gresham. He's merciful, yeah. But then there's also some that are like omnipresent and omniscient, all right? And all of those things, all right? Some, there's a new kind of trend which, okay, they don't call them the characteristics of God. They don't call them the attributes of God. They have to call them the perfections of God. And if you don't know what that means, I don't either. But some of the, the systematic theology books that you'll start reading will be like, whoa, no, 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 no. Don't call them the attributes of God. Call them the perfections of God. When it comes to the attributes of God, you have communicable versus incommunicable. What does that mean? Well, some call them shared versus non-shared. But non-shared is kind of a weird word. They all mean the same thing. There are some that we share with God. Holiness, all right? We have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We have been made a new creation, and we now can be holy as He is holy. Now, we know we won't reach per perfection until we get to heaven with God. I can be love because He is love. I can be merciful. I can be patient. All of those things, I can be. That's shared between me and God now. But what are the, the non-shared or the incommunicable? You can think of it like, you want to think of it in a negative term, a disease, all right? Some diseases, if you spend time with that person, you get that disease. And there are some that they can't pass that cancer on to you, all right? Some of the, the non-shared or incommunicable would be, I'm sorry, you're not going to be all-powerful unless you get caught up in a lamp or something. No, that's not true, all right? That's, that's a movie. You're not going to be in every place at the same time. You're not going to be all-knowing, all right? God is. We don't share those. Those are incommunicable. So clearly, we're talking about, as imitators, we're talking about those shared or those communicable attributes. And those are some of the examples that we have looked at. When it comes to being an imitator, let's take it a step further. Paul also brings up this to the church at Corinth. He says in 1 Corinthians 4.16, Therefore I exhort you, be imitators of me. Now that is, can you write that down to your friend? 
Can you send that as a text? Can you tweet that out? Be imitators of me? It's like, whew, that's a pretty high standard, right? Is Paul being prideful here? Hey, hey, you guys, if you want to know what to do, you need to follow me. What he is saying, he clarifies in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ. Paul is saying, I am a sinful man that has been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, and although I stumble and I fall, I am putting out maximum human effort to look like Jesus. To look like Jesus. And, uh, you know, one of the, the points of emphasis in youth ministry is as youth leaders, we want to put Jesus on display through the teaching of his word and through our lives as his followers. So that you get a clear picture of who Jesus is. Now, obviously, we still sin. We still stumble. We make those mistakes. But when we do that, we want to model to you repentance. We want to say, you know what, I was wrong. So that you also know how to do those things as well. Imitators. Look at Jesus and just do what Jesus, when I was in high school, I don't know if the, the kids still have these things. Everyone was wearing the WWJD bracelets. What would Jesus do? And I'm like, well, he wouldn't wear that bracelet and talk like you talk. But anyways, all right. It was a reminder that what would Jesus do? And I would evaluate and that's how I would live my life. To be an imitator of God is simply to imitate Jesus Christ. But I love what he says here. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And you don't have to get all sappy here. And you can even speak theoretical. Are there ways that you or that teens typically imitate their parents? You're like, no way. No way. Lily? Their humor? Yeah, you pick up on their humor and the way they approach things and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> their spending habits? Yeah. We, we learned that from our parents, Will. Their hobbies? You know, maybe you'll play some basketball one day. I don't know, maybe your dad's dabbling in a little, ba little basketball. All right, Addie? Yeah, opinions on big issues, yes, absolutely. You know, that was one of the things where, you know, uh, we were talking as a staff about one of the issues with our churches, preferences in schooling. Homeschooling, public schooling, private school, whatever you're schooling or something like that. And we we're talking about how ways I could address that with the youth group. And I said, look, I love y'all, but do you think these youth just came up with these opinions on their own? So if you address it with the adults and how we need unity, then that's going to bleed down to their kids. That's just what it is, all right? We, we end up imitating our parents, and some of you don't know it, but you do, and it's so fun for me to see. Uh, I've been in this game a long time, and I've seen a lot of people at our church for a long time, and some people, they, they sit like their parents. They talk like their parents. They like the same types of, you know, PT Cruiser cars as their parents do, and, you know, all sorts of things like that, and it's, it's kind of fun as parents to see that, the, the natural things they gravitate in the way that they, they do what they do. Now, in this scenario, he says not only 
as beloved, or he says, as beloved children, I want you to look at that word beloved and analyze why it's so important. It means dearly loved, prized, valued. Christian, God loves you with an intense love. You are prized and valued. All right? So let's imagine a scenario where a child is growing up in a house. You have two kids. And one is prized and loved and cherished. And the other is neglected. And the parent is cruel to them. How are those two kids going to respond differently to their parents? Well, the one that is loved and doted on and supported and valued is far more likely to appreciate and imitate the parent where the other one is going to grow bitter and rebellious towards that parent. God has been infinitely good and gracious and kind to us. And he has been patient with us. And he has provided us salvation. And so we should look at this and say, you have given me everything. My Father in heaven, you've made me a part of your family. I'll be in your kingdom serving you for eternity. Whew, yeah, I'm in. I want to do that. And I want to do the, these things to others the way you did them to me. Now I want you to flip over to John 8. Flip over to John 8. When it comes to imitating Paul who's imitating Jesus... Jesus clearly shows us how he imitated the Father. He did it through holy living, through compassion, through graciousness. But specifically, he tells us here in John 8, remember this is kind of a, a battle between him and some of the, the, the Pharisees and unbelievers there. It says in John 8, 25, so they were saying to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, what have I been saying to you from the beginning? Are you listening to the words coming out of my mouth? I have many things to speak and to judge concerning you, but he, let's don't be confused here, God, but God who sent me is true. And the things which I heard from him, these I speak to the world. They did not realize he'd been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. Well, what does he mean here? When you lift me up, you'll realize that I am one with the Father. And I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. Jesus is imitating God the Father. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And as he spoke these things, many came to believe in him. The work that God has called us to, the proclamation of his truth, the righteous deeds and the service and the building up and the edifying, that's what we are supposed to imitate about God. Holy living should be an incredible priority. Our hero is Jesus Christ. And so when we think about, should I say that word? Should I do this thing? Should I watch this show? Should I listen to these things? I have to remember that the Holy Spirit is residing within me. 
and that I am a reflection of who God is. And the world gets to see God through the word and through his witnesses. And if I'm going to be a mean, selfish, gross person, I cannot clearly reflect my God. I cannot do it. In my time on this earth, you think, what Jesus was here for a short time, right? What was he here for? He was here to do God's will. So you're an imitator of God by realizing you're here to do God's work. You're here to study his word. You're here to share the gospel. You're here to serve in the church. You're here to, to, to lead others to Christ and to build up believers. That's what you're here for. And you do all of that with a holiness and a love. The imitators of God. And specifically, we're doing all of this as we're walking in love. I don't think these are two separate, two um, completely different thoughts that Paul is expressing here. He's saying, be imitators. Well, how do you want me to imitate? Walk in love. And the walking in love is so encompassing because if I love the unbeliever, what am I going to do? I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to offend them. No! If I love the unbeliever, I'm going to confront in a gracious, loving way, and I'm going to share the truth with them. If I love a believer, I'm going to build them up. I'm going to sacrifice of myself for them. And as that, I'm an imitator of God. So here we have our idea of walking again. And all of these carry an idea of walking as. Well, what specifically does this look like? It's not the sappy, oh, I'm in love. I'm in love and, you know, little birds are tweeting as I'm skipping through the forest and I'm singing songs about all of these things and dancing and whatnot. It's not that. It's getting your hands dirty to sacrifice for the nitty-gritty, putting off of self and putting on a passion for others. Specifically, it looks just like Jesus. And this passage, it, it really isn't rocket science, is it? There's nothing you're like, wow, I never thought of that before. You mean I'm supposed to love people? Wow, man, going to write that one on my mirror. Forgot about that. But how am I to walk in love? Just like Jesus. Just like Jesus. And we'll get to his death and sacrifice. But besides his death and sacrifice, which is covered, how did Jesus love others? Specifically, help me. How did he do it? He taught. He taught. And we think that Jesus just woke up one day and had all these. He memorized the scripture. He studied the scripture. And so he taught. He put in the work to know the word of God so that he could help other people know the word of God. Guys, that's an act of love. We think of my time in the word each day as just what fills me up. And there's a part to it. But I need to understand that word so I can poke and prod other people along and help other people. How else did he love? Kristen, he served him. What are, can y'all think of some ways he served? Yeah, he washed their dirty, gross, nasty feet. Got down on his hands and knees. And, you know, Peter was the one that was like, he caught it on. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You? 
God himself is going to wash my feet? And Jesus said, yes, I am. And he told them he did that as an example. And so we start thinking about our parents and we think about our siblings and we think about our friends and how if we're going to walk in love with them, we should be willing to serve them. And are we? What are, what are other ways that Jesus loved? What? Yeah, he prayed for people. Absolutely. Prayed fervently. He would go off to the mountainside by himself. And I think that's one of the, the areas where we get lazy, don't we, Christians? Is we're going to be walking as imitators. Let's imitate Jesus in that. And what a wonderful blessing it is to be praying for people. Not just saying we're going to, but actually doing it. What other ways did Jesus love people? Addie? Yeah. He was available. Yeah, I, I get it. Sometimes we've had a long day. Sometimes you've had a lot of school. you got a lot of homework. And you just want to turn the world off and ignore everyone. And Jesus does rest. Okay, that's important. The rest is a part of it. But we need to be more available for people. What are other ways that Jesus loved? Yeah, Audrey. He healed them. All right, so y'all go out and heal some people. <laughs> he, met, he met their needs in the way that God allowed him to. All right, and, and we have some wonderful ministries at our church. We have official ministries. You have the baskets of blessings that, you know, if there's a death in the family or someone's in surgery, that they cook meals and they bring it over to people. And you have the, is that the same thing as the mom thing when they got a baby? All right, mom have a baby, they bring them meals and they encourage and stuff like that. So there's all sorts of what we would call kind of formal ministries that you can sign up and you can do. But there's just a lot of informal life on life. And it's not just doing it. You want to definitely take care of the people in the church. But what about the people in your school and the people in your neighborhood? And it very well could be that act of love and graciousness. Maybe there's uh, someone in your neighborhood and they're elderly and they can't get out and mow their yard very often. And so you just pop up and say, hey, do you mind if I mow your yard? I mean, there's all sorts of things that we can do, and we feel like, well, I'm in high school, so I don't really got much money, and I, I really don't, da, 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 da. but man, you got time, you got effort, you got energy. There's all sorts of ways you can be a blessing, but specifically, when it comes to Christ and what we're supposed to model here, it goes back to his death and his resurrection. He loved us. He set his love upon us. And are we easy to love? No. No. We are rebellious, vicious, unrighteous lot of people. And yet he still loved us. We tend to be nice to the people that are what? Nice to us. I'll help you if you help me. But Jesus loved the wretch. Jesus loved the sinner, and that's displayed in all of the ways you just shared. But he gave himself up for us. Let that sink in. He died for us. We say that hypothetically, man, I'd die for you. I'd take a bullet for you. I'd, I'd do whatever it is. But then it's like, would you really? Would you really do that? That's how we're to love so that we see others as more important than ourselves. But why did Christ love us? 
Who was he an imitator of? The Father. Now, don't get confused. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit are all one. Three distinct persons in one. So when God so loved the world, Jesus was also so loving the world. But it's a picture of that imitation that's there. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to die for us. Because we, he, he had to. And you think of a parent giving up their child on behalf of other people. Woo, that's steep. And Jesus loved us so much to do it. The fact that he would become a human in the first place. Because you know what? We're not all that great. Fully man, fully God, to live on this earth, this dirty, dark, nasty place, to take the nails, to take the whip, to take the, the beating and the, the getting spit on and all of those things. And he did this as an offering, an offering and as a sacrifice. And we go back and we think of the Old Testament offerings and the system that was there. All of those were a picture, the, the little lamb who's throat was slit or the the doves that were killed or the 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 bull that was slaughtered all of that is a picture of Jesus and you just had Christmas so I'm thinking you probably gave some gifts to people and I don't know how your gifts work the white elephant gift exchange you probably just went into your closet and was like man I don't want this anymore and you grabbed that baby and you wrapped it up or you went to your siblings room and said hey what do they have that I can wrap no you wouldn't do that but the idea of a gift, and partly why we give gifts at Christmas, is I'm, I'm sacrificing for you. I, some of the money that I've earned, I'm going to give that up for you. I'm going to go out and shop for you. Now you just go online and stuff like that, which is good. But the gift, all right, it costs me something to give you that gift. The gift of Jesus costs his life for us to be an offering and a sacrifice. An offering is that which is brought as a voluntary expression. He didn't have to do it. He wanted to do it because he knew that if he didn't, we wouldn't be saved. Flip over to, to Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, verse 5. Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. And whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. After saying above, sacrificing and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have not desired, nor have you taken pleasure in them which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. By this we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. He offers himself to God on our behalf as a voluntary expression to save us. When it comes to, Rome, uh, to sacrifice, I want you to flip over to Romans. Pages turning. So proud of you. We're not to offer our physical bodies. I mean, that, that's part of it, willing to, to lay your body on the line. But it, Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies 
as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So don't think like the world thinks. Stop thinking selfishly. Start thinking above Imitate Christ, sacrifice sinful desires, offer yourself for the benefit and the glory of God. God, what do you need? I'm going to do it. What do my brothers and sisters need? I'm going to do it. What do the unbelievers I'm around need? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. This offering and a sacrifice that Jesus offered was for us, but ultimately it was to God. And so sometimes when you sacrifice for someone, maybe they don't notice. Maybe they don't appreciate it. Maybe you saved all your pennies. You got someone this wonderful Christmas gift and they opened it up and they go, oh. And you're like, the offering and the sacrifice that we give are to God, just as Christ gave his to God. And they are what? A fragrant aroma. A fragrant aroma. This is the, the opposite of middle school ministry. Which I still remind them that deodorant is not optional. And somehow by the time you get to high school you realize that and you guys smell so much better. The aroma here is the, qual the quality of something that affects the mind with an odor. And it's a good thing in this. A fragrant. A, a delightful. My service and sacrifice carries up to the very throne room of God, and he is pleased with it. Pleased with it. There was a, Kim and I were celebrating my parents' 50th uh, wedding anniversary, and we were over in the stockyards, and we walked into this one store. And it was so funny because it had the most horrible odor, and I wanted to leave. But Kim goes, wow, this smells great. And it was some pepper or something like that, and all right? The, the service to God that we offer to him is a wonderful, fragrant aroma for his glory. And we're going to come back to verses 3 through 5 and talk more about this. But I want you to spend some time considering, are you an imitator of God? And if you're saying, well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Well, are you walking in sacrificial love? then no, you're not an imitator. That was easy. Are you saturated with self and self-wants? Then you're not an imitator of God. You are not in Christ. For the Christian, you say, well, I am a Christian and I see this, but how do I grow in love and holiness? Well, it's not a mystery, all right? And this is where, where Cody stole my thunder because he shared about how Kobe Bryant and how hard he worked because there was some new documentary and how he started practice at four in the morning so that he could get more practices in throughout the day because it gave him more time. And I'm like, well, did you consider just going to bed later? Because whether you start at four or you start at eight, you just go to bed later and you, same amount of time, never mind. But we'll move on from Kobe, who's a hack compared to this man, all right? The great Dirk Nowitzki. You think he just woke up one day and was awesome at basketball? Yeah, I'm sure it helps that he's seven foot. But he and his trainer were known for kind of the weird, quirky ways that Dirk would train. 
And a lot of it is just doing, all right? You have a sport, you have a, an instrument, you have something that you're passionate about. You have to actually practice. You have to commit to those things. But then when it comes to our walk with Christ, we think that somehow we're going to, you know, rub the Bible on our head and poof, get better. Guys, I know sometimes it's not easy to come. Sometimes it's not easy to focus. Sometimes it's not easy to listen. That helps you grow. And being disciplined to read the word each day and to pray, we know what to do to serve, to pray, to share, to study the word of God. And we need to put in maximum human effort in our ability to imitate God. Do you consider your life as a sacrifice to God and to others? We should be practicing holiness in our personal lives because God is holy, therefore we are holy, and we are imitating him. If you, Christian, address the Father as one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth. We are here for a very small amount of time. And we're here not for us. We're here to offer ourselves as a sacrifice to God for the benefit of others so that we may be an imitator to further his kingdom. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you. We thank you for your son. We thank you for what he did on the cross. Such love and mercy poured out. And I pray that we would live with the same love and mercy to others. Help us to put off sin and put on righteousness and do what is right in your eyes because you are a good father and we are your beloved children. It's in your son's name we pray, amen.